and welcome to Cool Breeze Over the Mountains, a podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss each film starring Keanu Reeves. My name is Andrew Gormley, and I am one of your hosts. I am joined on this episode by my co-host. Now, as I recall, she is the one tasked to dole out the beatings, not receive them. (laughs) Whitney Nelson. And don't any of you forget it. That's right. And... He told us before we started recording, if he doesn't win Pop Quiz, he'll be making a dinner reservation for two. Introducing Eric (laughs) Smith. Hello. Hello, my friend. Eric, it is great to have you. I believe we've mentioned you on maybe a few episodes past, like maybe last season, I'd say. You uh mm-hmm. you very graciously part of our Patreon, which is amazing. Thank you. Yes. Very cool. Very cool. I would love, I would love for you to just tell people uh, a little bit about yourself. We go, we go through the rigmarole, but who, who are you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so my name's Eric Smith. I am a author who lives in Philadelphia. Um, I write uh, young adult books. Uh, so that's fiction meant for teens, cool teens. And uh, yeah, and I also- Or cool adults. Teens. Or cool adults. Um, yeah. Cool adults can also read. Them. I almost exclusively read young adults, so cool <laughs> adults do too. Uh, and then I, I work as a literary agent um, during the day, where I also work on, um, well, on more books. I really don't have many other hobbies, <laughs> books, and then you know, playing the occasional video game and watching the occasional movie. Um, but yeah, it's just books, books, books. Excellent. And so it's safe to assume that you. Uh, you know, a fair bit about storytelling then, being an author and also working with and reading so many books. I like to think so, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could say that, yes. <laughs> I know that was a little bit of a leading question, but I think it's important for this specific <laughs> thing that we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah, uh, I mean, we need someone to say something other than me just screaming and crying <laughs> about how good right. this movie is for an hour and a half. So someone's got to say yeah. something. He's here for balance is I think yeah. what it is. Not in a, not to counterbalance, just give us a little bit of a bedrock to, mm-hmm. to build on here. <laughs> so I wanted to ask also, what is like, uh, in terms of like Keanu Reeves specifically, what's your first exposure to him? Like from films, do you have like a touch point that you like is your go-to Keanu? Oh dear. Um, I feel like my first Keanu Reeves movie when I was a kid was, it was probably speed. Yeah. <laughs> That's it for a lot of us. A lot of us remember speed. Um, I remember it being like one of those movies that my parents were like, we don't want you watching this movie. And then I found a way uh, to watch it anyway. Cause you know, speed came out. I think I was like 12. Um, uh-huh. I was old enough to sneak around and figure out how to watch movies. I'm not supposed to be watching. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. But then like the other one, I, I-, I guess that like it's sort of tied with speed is Johnny Mnemonic. Because, what? oh my god! So there was a um, there was this. It was it wasn't a Hollywood video because it got it turned to it was it was called Palmer Video in New okay. Jersey. There was one pretty close to my house, and I would walk there every once in a while and like scour like the you know the, like the the cheap rentals that they were selling. Um, and Johnny Mnemonic was one of the copies, and I distinctly remember like saving my allowance so I could buy this like ten dollar VHS that. <laughs> I don't know if you remember the VHS of Johnny Mnemonic, but it had like a clear uh, slip cover on it and an orange cassette tape. 
Wow. <laughs> and the, oh, fancy. And the clear part was on Je- Keanu Reeves' forehead. So when the, the, the tape was inside the box, like the the reel and everything was inside where his head was. So it kind of looked like a hard drive. Oh, wow. <laughs> Dang. They thought, it, they thought about that. I like it. Uh, it was all about it. I was like obsessed with that movie. And uh, then I listened to a, a How Did This Get Made episode on it and kind of realized it wasn't that great a movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think we oh, came yeah. to similar conclusions. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's aged well. <laughs> That's awesome. I- Speed and Johnny Mnemonic, yeah, and kind of right in that same pocket of time too. So that's yeah, that's yeah. actually pretty uh, pretty cool. And two <laughs> very different roles for him. One oh. is like a a career defining role. The other one eh, <laughs> is Johnny Mnemonic. So <laughs> so given that for and for context for everyone listening, do you have like a top three, top five of like Keanu films? And it could uh, let me just put it out there. It could include this film. If you want. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so John Wick is definitely one of the, the top movies. I actually just finally watched John Wick 3, and we can talk about that a little later, I guess. Um, but yeah, the series, totally obsessed and love it. Um, the Matrix is, of course, up there. Uh, let me see. I feel, like, I feel like you go to like Keanu Reeves jail if you don't say The Matrix. Um, <laughs> like, even though it's not that great, like, I, I have to put Johnny Mnemonic in there. Sure. Um, hey, let me see. Uh, Always be my maybe. It's like the greatest. Oh, it's so good. I can't. I can't wait to get to that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So so perfect. And like, this is gonna get me some crap. I think, but I really liked the lake house when I saw it. Uh, I was surprised at how much I liked the lake house. Yes. It's great. It really is. It's so cool. Uh, Uh, Yeah. Those are probably my. Oh wait, I didn't mention Constantine. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the perfect. I think it's a perfect <laughs> list. I, I wouldn't add anything yeah. else to it. <laughs> well, that's great, Eric. Obviously, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I'm really excited to to talk about that. I have a little housekeeping to do, and then I'm going to toss it over to you to All tell right. us what we're here for. Everyone already knows it's fine. <laughs> As always, uh, up top, I want to mention you can find the website at coolbreezepod.com, email us coolbreezepod at gmail.com, or hit us up on Twitter at coolbreezepod, like so many of you have done for this specific episode. It's like everyone was waiting for us to get here. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we have quite a few listener reviews as a result, so that's, that's really great. Whitney, you have a lot of reading to do soon. I am happy to do it. Uh, once again, Melissa Chonk, uh, uh emailed us second week in a row, as you can do. Again, coolbrewspot.gmail.com. She wrote, loved your Man of Tai Chi review. I don't particularly enjoy martial arts movies. I think the last one I ever saw was The Karate Kid, but I enjoyed Man of Tai Chi. Really like evil Keanu characters. I think he's perfect for the villain role, especially because it contrasts his nice guy image so deliciously. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, it's a fabulous movie. He deserves the credit for directing something great. My favorite scene is when he sits in front of his meditation Zen wall. I just love the control portrayed. And then she asks, she posits the question, did you notice the character with the gray hair never actually spoke? I loved his silent participation. Mm. And mm. I didn't realize that until just like when she wrote that in. I was like, I guess he didn't, but he was great. He was like his mm-hmm. right hand man. He never said a word. So thank you, Melissa. That's awesome. As always. Uh, if you're watching live in the uh, Periscope uh, or Twitch, wherever, uh, I see a lot of you active in there right now. Please feel mm-hmm. free to comment along with if you agree, disagree. We can have a little bit of a chat, bring you into the conversation. 
multiple people in the Twitch chat, uh, or not Twitch chat, the Periscope chat, have already talked about uh, Destination Wedding when Eric was lift- listing off favorite <laughs> piano movies. Yeah. And I was like, I'm waiting for... Uh, I haven't seen it, even though I could go watch it right now. I'm waiting for us to catch up to it with the podcast. <laughs> right. We got to do it chronologically. Yep. Otherwise, you make me a liar in the intro. <laughs> I've been made a liar in the intro already. Let's be honest. <laughs> and finally, as always, if you want to be excellent to us, uh, please share the show with your friends, rate and review us on iTunes, uh, or just join us live because this is awesome. There's a, I could feel a lot of positive vibes for right now. So it's Everybody's- awesome. Everybody's. To talk about the best movie ever. <laughs> so uh, I guess given all that, Eric, uh, I would love for you to tell us what we are here talking about today. Yes, let's dig into the synopsis. So today we are talking about the film John Wick. Uh, the plot synopsis from Rotten Tomatoes is as follows. Uh, an ex-hitman comes out of retirement to track down the gangsters that took everything from him with, the New, York, with New York City as his bullet-riddled playground. Uh, this is the directorial yes. debut of Chad, oh dear, Stahelski? <laughs> yeah, Stahelski, yep, that's it. Stahelski, okay. Who was a former stunt double for Keanu on the Matrix films, along with 72 other stunt credits to his name. He was the second unit director for films like The Hunger Games and Catching Fire, uh, Captain America Civil War, and most recently, Birds of Prey. Which and is another note- Whitney favorite! Yes, <laughs> so good. Yeah. And like a side note, like I feel like every year people bring up like the fact that there should be like Oscar nominations for stunt doubles. Uh, yes, they really should be. I know, and this is like such an like additional huge argument for it. This movie's amazing. The work he's done is amazing. Like, come mm-hmm. on, yeah, Dude, it's um, crazy. It's worth noting that uh, David Like has an uncredited co-director role in this film on IMDb. The reasons behind his removal are very political to the DGA, but he retained a producing credit. His other directing credits include Atomic Blonde, Deadpool 2, and Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, so I, yeah. have, I have a Deadpool 2 aside here. Um, <laughs> oh, like love words it. and stuff. Uh, today, yeah. I was listening to the Celine Dion song, Ashes. <laughs> it's perfect it's so, it's so good. good it's so good I, i'm like outraged where was like the oscar nomination for that song uh where was the yeah. oscar nomination for the music video Seriously? <laughs> what, what so much part. injustice in the world it's I know. crazy I know. that so, music now... video with deadpool doing ballet around celine dion oh, perfect. is the most incredible thing I've ever seen, other than John Wick. So I'm glad we're I'm, I'm glad we're mad about things already. This is good. So we're, we're upset about <laughs> Oscars for stunt doubles and uh, wanting uh, awards for Celine Dion. I love this. Okay, uh, yeah. so co-starring along Keanu are a bunch of people you love: uh, Michael Nightfist, uh, Alfie mm-hmm. Allen, Willem Dafoe, Dean Winters, uh, Adrian Palinke, John Leguizamo, Ian McShay, and Lance Reddick. Uh, Whitney, how are the critics and audiences feeling about this movie? Uh, I'm going to get to that momentarily. I do also (laughs) have one aside first when we're talking about credited people. This is the first time that I ever noticed that Eva Longoria has a straight up producer credit. Not executive producer, not like I'm I'm the money behind or, (laughs) you know, I helped get people in the cast. She was straight up like day to day producing on this movie, which I thought was interesting. That's awesome. Yeah. 
saw that when I was watching the credits just a, a moment ago. Okay, so on Rotten Tomatoes, we have an 86% critical score and an 81% audience score. So mm-hmm. overall, people are generally in agreement. Uh, I kind of thought it would be higher, to be honest. Because I remember, I remember a lot of talk at the time about people like wondering if the Rotten Tomatoes score was real. And this is <laughs> like this too is, high. Is that what they were saying? Yeah. Like... Well, because people hadn't got that high before on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. And this was pre the like Wonder Woman and like a bunch of men campaigning to downvote it on Rotten Tomatoes just because they didn't want a woman superhero movie or whatever. This yeah. is pre any of that where people are like actively campaigning to get higher scores or lower scores or whatever for a movie for the audience effect, like to get less people to see it or more people to see it. Um, hmm. I remember people talking about like, and I, I don't know any of the background of it. I don't know any percentages or anything, but I remember people saying like, do people really like it that much? Is that a real score on Rotten Tomatoes? <laughs> so I thought it would be higher deck. than 86 and 81, <laughs> but still a very, very high. Oh, sorry. I was just saying like, also I feel like, didn't Keanu have like a, a streak of like not great movies leading yes. up to this? Like I feel yeah. like this was his like Razzie Award Redeemer movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Eric, three movies ago, he was in a film that had a zero percent on yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. It was not it was not that there were no yeah. It was not that there were no reviews. All of the <laughs> reviews gave it zero. Yeah. Oh dear. And we watched it. Because it's our job. I'm in my life. I'll never get back. (laughs) It earned it. It earned it. It certainly did. All right. So we have a critic quote from Wendy Eide of the UK Times who says, just when you have all but given up hope for Keanu Reeves, which is harsh, but let me continue. (laughs) There comes the hyper stylized revenge movie, John Wick. And you remember what you loved about him in the first place. And while yeah. I think that all but giving up hope for Keanu is uh, definitely a harsh thing to say, I definitely agree <laughs> that this reminds you what you love about Keanu Reeves. Uh-huh. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, Kevin M. gave it four out of five stars. He's, this is a user quote. He said, in a market saturated with special effects, explosions, and quick cut editing, John Wick breaks every Hollywood stereotype. The two stuntmen who directed have clear respect for tight and swift choreography, and it's incredibly satisfying to see unfold. Keanu Reeves' physical talents are on full display here, and he leaves a blazing trail of violence and physicality that brings him back into the realm of quality cinema. All right. That's, that's, quite, a, that's quite a review. It is quite a review. Yeah. Why didn't he give it five stars, though? I don't know why he didn't give it five stars. It seems it seems like he was pretty eloquent. The perfect to then movie go, doesn't exist. Yeah. I guess I don't. Know. I hate those people. <laughs> I, I won't get into this here because I've already gotten into it on historical hotties and it went on too long there. But uh, the people who are like, you have to give room for people to strive for, make me want to stab them in the eyeball. <laughs> There's always something better out there. Maybe true. But let's not be afraid to show enthusiasm when we think something is great. Exactly. That's, that's well put. That, that's the too long didn't read of <laughs> my rant that I didn't say. All right. So listener reviews. Christina at Keanu Wave on Twitter said, 
what is there to say about John Wick that hasn't already be, been said? I don't know, but we're going to try and find it tonight. <laughs> and then she goes on to say, sure, the later installments have incredible world building and more elaborate action sequences. But six years after its release, this movie is still a landmark, not just in Keanu's career, but in action cinema of the new millennium. It's lean. It's mean. It grabs your attention from the word go. I would argue that the Red Circle Club shootout still hasn't been outdone by any other John Wick fight. Yeah. I might argue with Christina with in the in the knife museum, but uh, oh. I'll continue her quote. Uh, and on the other end of the spectrum, John Wick's quiet breakdown on receiving Helen's le- last letter is some of Keanu's best emotional acting in years. In parentheses, maybe ever. A tight script, a lead that fits his character like a glove, breathtaking stunt work, and fight choreography. What more could you want? Bring on chapter four, Christina. Yes. Couldn't have said it better myself, although I am about to say it because that's what we do on the podcast. Right. Uh, we've got Zoe at Zoe's Evil Twin on Twitter. Zoe! Friend of the show. Zoe says, I love the John Wick movies. This one especially. Good blend of action, humor, and Keanu looking awesome. P.S. Yosef Tarasov deserved it. Agreed. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we would all be Keanu's shoot. <laughs> shoes if we had been in Keanu's shoes. So Giorgio's Papas at Scouser Keanu on Twitter says, oh, John Wick. Two exclamation marks there. The film (laughs) responsible for Keanu's ultimate comeback. The film that made me, alongside with my siblings, devoted Keanu fans. The legacy that John Wick left on me is that whenever I think of Keanu, I think of him as John Wick. I cannot identify him as anyone else. All three of these rank among the most realistic films I have ever watched. The action there feels real. In no way would I imagine that a film about a dog could make me a fan of the most wonderful person on earth. The decision to watch it really paid off. Here's to many more good movies to come for Keanu. All right. (sighs) Yeah, I agree with all of you. Yeah. Eric. You are a person who I've seen, unprompted from me, tweet about John Wick specifically <laughs> as a character. I would love for you to kick us off about what you think about this film. So, oh, goodness. So this, this is why John Wick works uh, so wildly well for me. Because when I think about storytelling, uh, one of the biggest things I think about is, is character motivation. Uh, you're always thinking about the why of everyone's actions and, and what it is they're doing there, even when it comes to the bad guys, you know, like good bad guys don't think they're bad guys, you know, they're just doing their thing. Uh, yeah. And when it comes to John Wick, his character motivation is just so flawless because are we allowed? We talk about spoilers on this, right? We're just, we're oh, assuming yeah. everyone here. Go for it. Thing. But yeah, they kill his puppy. So they, they kill, uh, people are robbing his house, they, they steal his car, they kill his puppy, uh, and he proceeds to go on a murder rampage that has spanned three entire movies. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it is just the perfect motivation. Uh, and like, I want, I want every book I read to feel like, who is the puppy in your John Wick story, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. That's question I want to ask every writer. Why who, are we here right now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's also kind of what makes the villains so good in John Wick because some of them don't necessarily think they're they're bad guys in this. Like, especially in John Wick One, a lot of them kind of just get caught up in everything because they're caught up in his 
his wake of, of violence. Uh, some of them are trying to reason with him. Some are trying to sneak out of everything, but there's no escaping that motivation and the, and the justice that's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's just such a great character study. I love it so much. That, it's interesting to to phrase it that way. Like, who's your who's your puppy? Because it's like <laughs> if you were using this as like this, this to me took the idea of an action film and like stripped it down to like the bare minimum. Purified and then, it. Yeah, oh, yeah, and then re and then but and then turned everything that was left up to eleven. Is like yeah. it's basically what happened to make this movie, Whitney. What uh, what are you thinking here? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, as we all know, Whitney has a lot of thoughts and feelings. Um, <laughs> we should have a uh, a stinger for that. Like <laughs> when it's, I'll just Whitney's cue it thoughts up. Thoughts and feelings. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's so much about this movie that is perfect in a way that like I don't use perfect lightly when I'm talking about films there there are elements that are perfect in some movies but this movie every element is perfect I think that part of this is due to the crew that they collected I think having career stuntmen in the lead made this movie something different from what we've seen before um I think that we've talked a lot about Keanu and his inner monologue and all of that I think that this movie could not have been more perfect like the the restrained anguish as a fuel rather than like fury is something that someone only like Keanu with his inner monologue can do otherwise it's just I'm angry that you killed my dog which was a token of my you know wife's memory here that the anguish and the fact that he doesn't get a chance to grieve Keanu plays so well that it's so different to see this kind of rampage motivated by grief rather than anger. I think that's part of why it's so pitch perfect. I think the way that they play with light and sound and even the subtitles, what words they choose to highlight in the different text. Oh yeah. All of it is people committed to a singular vision in a way that it's very hard to get a group of people to commit to a singular vision in the way that it is in this movie. It's, it's gorgeous in the way that reminds me of old musicals. Like it's very over the top in certain ways. It's a spectacle. The way that they use color is not like most action films. Even the way that they use the like black is not the way that most action films use it. There's a richness to it that I think you don't see very often. And I just think that once they start, they are worried about, Following the action. Uh, We've talked before about how handheld cameras often make me nauseated. Almost all of this movie is handheld and I never once got nauseated or even noticed that it was handheld because, and this is not just a testament to the cinematography, although the cinematography is phenomenal in in these movies. Um, The person who's doing the handheld or the people who are doing the handheld are basically like ballet dancers in their own right, the way that they follow the the action. (laughs) But also the editing is edited by people who understand action films. The way that like a shot from Keanu, the reverse is like the bad guy falling down or whatever. You never once, and we've seen it in other Keanu movies, there are times where they don't establish the shot. You don't know where he's running from or to, or you don't know which direction he's driving or whatever, because it's just not, 
there is a kinetic understanding of fight from every single person in this movie that makes the fight so engaging. They're edited in a way that fighters would edit. They're shot in a way that fighters they're fighters would shoot it. They're, you know, like everything about it is comes from this perspective of extreme expertise in one area. And I think there's also a great amount of honor for like early martial arts and like, you know, the gun foo stuff. Um yeah. which is often in much cheesier movies when you get into like the gun foo but here it's by people who are pretty reverent about it and i think that that reverence but not taking yourself too seriously is how it just like grabs you and then you don't even think about looking away until it's done and it's the same in one two and three i think specifically the pared down simplicity of one is is what makes it so beautiful because two they turned everything up even higher. Like oh, yeah. everything is turned up to 11 in, in John Wick, but in two and three, they turned it up to like 20. Like there's it, the humor you can't go down. is, you have is to more, go up. the action is crazier. The, the like situations the he gets himself into the setting is, is bigger. The, the personalities are bigger. Like everyone's pretty subdued and plays it so well. I think John Leguizamo does not get enough credit. I know he's only in this movie for about 45 seconds, but it's one of my favorite John Leguizamo roles ever. Yeah. The way that they sure. cut back and forth from him dealing with knowing that this kid just killed John Wick's dog and stole his car <laughs> to how he's dealing with it with John Wick and how he's trying not to get his ass kicked by John Wick because he mm. knows he d- did the right thing by it. But like, how do you get that across? I think there's a whole world. I mean, we'll talk about the world building a million times in in the next this movie, the second movie and the third movie. The world building here is the best world building I've ever seen because they treat the audience intelligently. There is a whole world. There's rules. We don't know what this the gold coins are about, but we know that they're a currency. We know that these assassins in this hotel and the guys who come to clean up bodies all accept these gold coins. And he had a bunch of them buried in the cement of his house. like. They, we we don't know. We only know what we need to know at the time. Like, you can't shoot on continental ground. We don't know anything else about the continental other than it's got a dope club in the basement and it's a hotel <laughs> yes. and they take these gold coins and most everybody here looks like maybe they're an assassin. Um, yeah, we don't even need to know everything about Keanu. Like, or, or no. Wick, right? Like, they, it's just it's just implied on the expressions on people's faces yes. when they find out that someone wronged him you know yeah 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 when when someone's like you wait you killed john wick's dog we're all gonna die because you (laughs) killed john wick's dog and when that's played on people's faces it's perfect but the fact that there are rules and an assassin's guild and a high table and like the difference between management and the high table and you don't know any of that in this first one but all of it feels real and all of it feels solid and they only tell you what you need to know to get by because they trust that you are going to be immersed enough in the world to learn those rules and that backstory eventually. They don't feel the need to do a shit ton of exposition and tell you all about it now. And I think that you are hard pressed. I can't off the top of my head think of another movie that doesn't start in a world like this without the exposition of this world. You do get the backstory of John at the very beginning. Like you get the flashback to his wife dying and the 
bracelet and the whatever, like all of that you get set up. But that's just the it's it, the first few minutes of John Wick are like the first few minutes of Up only with uh, William De- Willem Dafoe cameo. <laughs> but how much better would Up have been with a Willem Dafoe character? Every movie Seriously. would be better with Willem Dafoe, in my opinion. And it's so funny you talk about like exposition and like, you know, Keanu Reeves movies. Like I, I immediately thought about like the matrix. I'm like, Oh yeah. Like the first like two thirds of that movie is just nonstop exposition. Oh, it's I mean, set up, set up, set up. A good 90% of all three movies is exposition <laughs> and just true. like reading you the rules of what's happening. Uh, in this movie, you just get shown the rules of what's happening and everyone yeah. does it. There's such an extreme amount of reverence, but also such as an extreme amount of tongue in cheek and knowing your place that puts this movie in a little bubble that is unique into itself. There are very, very few movies that I would consider perfect for what they are. And this movie, everything hit on all cylinders across the board. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Thanks for coming to my TED talk. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. The jazz singer. King Kong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Mm -hmm. Citizen Kane. Mary Poppins. Jaws. Mm -hmm. Star Wars. Tron. Jurassic Park. Toy Story. Titanic. Avatar. John Wick. Okay. Wow. Yeah. These are all movies that change cinema, in my opinion. Thanks. That's all I got to say. No. <laughs> no, I love yeah, it. You got my vote, Andrew. <laughs> that yeah. was incredible. And um, I love that Avatar gave us the lazy writing that is unobtainium. <laughs> I mean, oh, look at all that cheddar, that no Eric. Can, look at is, all that cheddar. Yeah, this is metal that no one, no one can get in you. Uh, let's call it Unobtainium. It's perfect. <laughs> it's ju- it's just Marvel enough, but they can't sue us because it's different. <laughs> you know, and that's funny. I think about Unobtainium right now, and how, <laughs> but how like all these like a lot of these like big spectacle action blockbuster movies have like this uh, like, like it's like the MacGuffin item, right? It's a thing that they're all chasing and that they're all trying to get. And yeah. I kind of love that John Wick, there's there's no, you know, president's kid that he has to go rescue or anything. No, like that. none of that. It's just the MacGuffin is the revenge. You know, he's going to go get this thing. I, I, I don't know. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll dive into, I agree with everything you both said. I'll dive into some specific things that I really liked about this. And- oh, so you're not really done then. No, no, oh, no, not truly. <laughs> come on, come on, come on, come on. This, uh, you both touched on this, and I, there is this thing that this movie does, and it's so subtle, but it's that world just beneath our world mm-hmm. trope that we see sometimes, and it's just like, it's a given, right? Mm-hmm. It, in like some people are like well there's this underground sect of a rumor has it you know and it's done through dialogue or some other cheesy ass way in this case they just show you what they show you and you fill in the rest yourself right it's so rich but it's so empty and and with room to grow exactly and i said this before we started recording but i was thinking about it as i was on rewatch and this might be like my most watched film like 
period, end of sentence. And the word that came up today to describe the story would be like, it's weird. It's a weird thing to say, but I was like, it's economical, <laughs> right? We're told just as much about John by the things that they don't say that they have to set up. Like, here are the rules of the Continental. Great. Okay. And John, John already knew. He obeys the rules. He, he asks for, uh, <laughs> you know, the doctor. He, underst mm -hmm. we, he understands all that. We are the people that have to learn. And for that, I'm like, this is really great. Again, what's left, what's what they say versus what they show is is amazing. Yeah, we are convinced within 10 minutes that John is the baddest dude that ever lived. Mm -hmm. And he does not pick up a gun until 30 minutes into the movie. Right. Yeah. Which well, is incredible. It's incredible. Is like whispering into Theon Greyjoy's ear like <laughs> he will kill you and there's nothing you can do about it. Yes. My son. It's. Incredible. And so much of it. I think also Lance Riddick is, first of all, he's just an incredible person who deserves everything. Like, just take all my money. I, I don't have much, <laughs> but just take it. Take I'm unemployed, it. but Lance Riddick should have my money because he's so uh -huh. good at being uh -huh. him. Um, the best. Whew, he's so good. But everything that is written on his face he has like two lines in this movie about like the bourbon and the the noise complaints and checking him in and that's oh, it it's and so he fun. tells a whole story he sells the whole world yes there are you are either of you familiar with the concept of um I I like a lot of I watch a lot of stand up I love it it's like one of the things that I'll just like zen out to and stand-ups often talk about, like, the comedian's comedian, like, mm -hmm. the people that make them. It's not like they're peers. It's like there's a guy that they all know that, like, he's yes. the guy that makes them laugh, right? Yes, yeah. I made a documentary about one of those kinds of people in comedy. And it's like the way that they spoke about that person is yes. so different than they speak about each other. Yes. I don't know if there is an analog for films, but this movie is that for action films. Like, yes. This is a movie that other action films look at and they're like, that's the guy. <laughs> like, that's the guy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's our guy right there. Following up on what you said, Whitney, I've talked about this before. Previous films about how they give you a sense, like an idea of place spatially. Like, camera placement matters, right? Camera yes. movements matters. Yes. And so I... I'll go back because I, I looked it up. I was like, what was that movie that, I, that like did that well? We didn't really care for Feeling Minnesota, right? That was a pretty meh movie. But we all agreed yeah. that that movie let you know where you are, right? Like yeah, it did. You were it did. well it aware. It had a very good sense of place. Yeah. And this movie does that like in a way that I, I don't think we have ever seen before. So it looks effortless, which must mean that the storyboards were just like the most complicated thing you've ever seen <laughs> because if you think about the red circle right we moved from the basement bathhouse to the second floor balcony in like i don't know maybe it was like 15 20 shots total and i never felt like where are we how did we get here this doesn't make any goddamn sense like you're you're there the whole time and it was just it's awesome that that is the care that was put into just that small part of like, we want to know what John's capable of, how he can move, 
how we can get from A to B, and that on the way, he could take out like 20 dudes, no problem, on the way to his target. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And then the final thing I'll say, because again, I agree with everything y'all said. It is, this is a, vi- like, this is a very funny movie, but only in small ways. Yes. Like, Zoe, Zoe just brought it up, but like, when he, go- he comes back from that fight and he's like, how good is your laundry? <laughs> And Lance Reddick is like, I'm sorry, uh, no one's that good no or whatever. Good. Yeah. Also, the cop at the beginning, the Jimmy, cop who rings yes. the doorbell, and he's like, what's up? And then he looks around Keanu and sees a dead body, and he's like, you working again? Yeah. And Keanu's like, just sorting out some personal stuff, and the guy's like, cool, have a cool. good night. I'm just going to leave. Yes. That's a laugh out loud moment. And then the last one that I have, which I thought was was also equally great, and I think you might have brought it up, Whitney, is when Vigo calls Aurelio and he's like, why did you strike my son? He's like, well, uh-huh. he stole John Wick's car and killed his dog. And he's like, and he just oh. Says, oh. <laughs> and he up. And, and like, the, the way that he just says, oh. Like, yeah. Oh, immediately he's like, oh, well, obviously someone should hit him for doing that. <laughs> Well, better, yeah. I was gonna do it if you didn't, so that's fine. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's this movie does so much with with so little. I think it, it, it's great at just paring everything down to like a very base level and rebuilding it in a. Zoe also mentioned in the chat the Russian vicar scene too, which is true. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, honestly, everything that revolves around that, like vault in the church has an yeah. element of humor to it. The, 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 the Russian, like the guy who's running the church, there's an element of humor there. But my favorite part is when he says, do you understand the social leverage, the political leverage that I had in that vault? It's not about the money. This is about the secrets. And John Wick goes like, yeah, I had fun doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. It's great. And they, they, that that same guy, I think he or the um the priest at the he was like he'll kill me, and he like shoots a guy on the ground. He's like, uh huh. <laughs> it was just Yuck. like a very yeah, I know, or I will, whichever. I think uh, Zoe also mentioned in the chat that the score is incredible, and I would have to agree. Oh, it's so good. I don't think that I remembered that from my last few watches. Like mm. in this case, I was paying attention to more things like. The editing and how the editing happened in the fight scenes and how on point it was with the like reverses and so that you never lost track of where the fighting was and the music and those sorts of things that I normally just kind of get washed up in when I'm watching it. I paid attention to this time and the the soundtrack is so good and it's just on point with everything that's happening in the movie. It's it's not so much pushing how you should feel like I feel like all movie scores these days tell you how you should feel before they even show you on screen how you should be feeling. They are actively like pushing you to feel a certain way at a be certain sad. time. You need to be <laughs> sad now or you need to be tense now or whatever. And this is just a good heartbeat of the film. It doesn't get ahead of the film. It doesn't get like more intense when the action gets more intense to make sure that you know that you should feel more tense. Mm. It it doesn't lead you it just follows uh really really well yeah i I guess it should be noted this is uh the composer is tyler bates uh who you've seen his name on a lot of stuff he did 300 the remake of halloween 
Watchmen, the film, uh, Sucker Punch. He has he did all three of these films, Guardians of the Galaxy one and two. I mean, the dude wow. is <laughs> he knows his stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> no, the score is great. The 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 background music, the club music, everything is just on point as far as giving you a sense of place without leading you. Oh, I I mean. My Did we cover it? I'm hot. <laughs> Did we cover Eric? Did we cover it all? I yeah, I mean, uh, like I feel like another like awesome highlight of this movie, like in addition to like talking about John Leguizamo, uh, is that supporting cast. You know, like oh hell yeah, carry over like Ian McShay. Oh. Well, yeah, no, Ian McShay is perfect casting, and he becomes even better casting as the <laughs> movies go on. He really but does. But the second that I saw this movie, now, now for full disclosure, I did not see this movie in theaters or until it was it was like the week before John Wick Two came out, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I was like, everyone's so hype about John Wick Two. The trailers for John Wick Two look amazing. I got to see John Wick One so that I can go see John Wick Two. So I was not in that. There were people who had several years in between John Wick to be hype about it. And I was not one of those people in that time. Um, but the second that I saw Ian McShay come on screen, I was like, oh, my God, perfect. Whatever he's doing, this is amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I love still. that he's he's the guy. He's Jonathan. Like, he's the <laughs> only guy who calls him by his full name. It's, it's yeah. just there's such a cool rapport between the two. It's it's yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah. He's fantastic. And then like Lance. Uh, Reddick as his like right hand running the concierge at the at the Continental is so great. Like he's so like cool and collected. Uh, yeah, so poised. Oh, so good. Yeah. Honestly, I I also I don't know his name, but the guy who plays Theon Greyjoy's dad in this movie. Oh yeah, that's the uh, Ny uh, Nyquist. Uh, yeah. I believe yeah, very. It's a Russian name, so it's very yeah. hard to say. Too many um. consonants in a row. <laughs> <laughs> but he is so good in this role when he's like realizing when he's smoking the joint and he realizes there's no way out of it, but he's still going to try. And so there's this somber terror. And then when he John Wick is following them in the SUV to the helipad and he's like, I'm dead. We're all yeah. dead. And he, he, gets he just loses and it. Silly. <laughs> Amazing. It's all perfectly played. And it's, Really, again, very understated for for a movie that does turn everything up to eleven. I think all of the performances were restrained in a way that sells the reality of it, and I think that that we lose that in two and three, which is mm. an argument for one being the best because everyone goes over the top. I mean, the performances in two and three are incredible. I, I have a lot to say about those when we get to them. Ruby Rose, oh, um. Just oh everybody, just everybody. Incredible. All of it's so good. But we'll talk about that when we get there. But all of those characters are played much, much bigger in oh, yeah. two and three. And here, they're, everything is big, but the performances are held back in a way that's beautiful. That's, that's it. That's really yeah. it. <laughs> It's funny too because, and I we so we, I don't get too far into the weeds about like stuff like the uh, the budget or anything like that because in the next segment where we do some trivia, budget and dollars and cents tend to be like uh, the tiebreaker if that yeah. if it comes to that. But I it it seems like they did a lot with this movie with a little. 
right? Like oh, yeah. they were very, it was like we hired the right people who were good at their jobs to get like the lighting just right, the mm-hmm. act, like the, the cinematography just right. And it, it comes through like, I don't know. They're like, we got to, we're, we got to establish New York. We can't, we can't afford to like fly over it multiple times. So we'll have this one, these drone shots or these helicopter shots. That'll be our, <laughs> we'll reuse maybe. <laughs> so I don't know. No, I, I mean, liked every part of it. And it's funny you talk about the budget and stuff. Cause like, you know, whenever I watch a movie and I enjoy falling down like a Wikipedia hole. Uh, yeah. And I remember looking up like the budgets for like John Wick three and how like it just, it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, with each movie, which is, what I feel like all sequels do, you know, like the second, the third, they always, they're always more expensive. Uh, but you're not seeing like those diminishing returns yet. Like people are still right. swooning over this. They're, they're making that TV show. Like I'm, uh, I'm all about it. The one thing it was, it's actually, I can't believe we didn't talk about, I mean, we only, we touched on it briefly, but f- fucking Willem Dafoe, man. Oh my God. He's Willem so good. Dafoe. And the way that they have him walking the line in this movie of sort of father figure, uncle figure kind of a person Uh and accepting the contract, but then never being able to follow through with it. So he like shoots the pillow to let him know that she snuck in Um, or, you know, when he's got the bag over his head and they're suffocating him and he shoots the guys and whatever and lets him free. It's just a really, really great setup of we're friends we're buddies i feel some sort of you know paternal instinct towards you i can't kill you even though i wanted to for the money and the whatever i was charged with it but um also it's william defoe (laughs) (laughs) right also come on guys great all right i think we covered everything i mean there and we we have a I have what I believe is like a pretty, it's, it, I could recite what happens in this movie from memory, but I tried to do a good job with the recap. But between now and then we have what might be, you know, the, the, what people are here for. Maybe. I don't know. Would you say that Whitney? No, I think they're here for us. <laughs> <laughs> but in this, in this capacity, no, I mean, this is definitely a selling point, but I really think they're here for hearing me go <laughs> about John Wick until I pass out. So, but yes, let's. This is definitely a major point. It is an interstellar favorite. Let's not underplay it. All right. Well, then let's let's cue it up right then. Pop quiz, asshole. There was a time when I had the need to learn from you. Oh, what the hell do you know? Lose. I don't lose. I win! She's got a lot to learn about sportsmanship. Oh my. Pop Quiz Assholers, our very own Quizzo show, where the host asks each of us three questions. If one of us gets it wrong, the other has a chance to steal. And if they get it wrong, the other person has a chance to steal, assuming they remember the remaining answer. Eric, I cannot stress how important it is to remember the answers. Okay. Because you don't get the points if you don't remember the answer. It's we. I don't make the rules, unfortunately, because I'd be more lenient. You could just say B if it were me, and I'd be fine with that. But you know, but you don't our, run our, the game anymore. Points are not cumulative, and only determine who wins the episode. Uh, so, without further ado, let me bring out uh, our master of ceremonies, 
Charles Nolan. Hello, everybody. Hello, Charles. Hey, Charles. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Hype. Yeah. yeah. This hyped. movie has me feeling great. We, we have already been made fun of in the chat for being so giddy. Well, I will try and tone myself down to average no. everything out. <laughs> you don't have to do that. That's not necessary. This is obviously your segment, Charles, so please take it away how you see fit. All right. Well, let's go ahead and start off with Eric. Uh-oh. <laughs> Eric. The weatherman on the radio at the very beginning of the movie reports that highs will be in what range? Is it A, low 50s, B, low 60s, or C, low 70s? I'm sorry, Eric. I'm gonna say C, low 70s? That is incorrect. Steel? Whitney. Low 50s? That is incorrect. Steel. Andrew. <laughs> I okay. Here we go. I'm not gonna fuck this up. Because I do this all the time when I get the default point. Low 60s, Charles. That is correct. Yeah. <laughs> the last time he tried to steal from me, Eric, he said the I, same thing that I had already I said and gotten wrong. My brain got the wires got all crossed. Oh, <laughs> God. It was embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me. Oh. <laughs> All right. Whitney. All right. In the original script, how old was John Wick supposed to be? Mid 20s, mid 40s, or mid 60s? I'm going to say mid 60s. That is correct. Whoa. Mm -hmm. That's pretty old. Nice. I could see it, you know, people like the the old man <laughs> fighting well, everyone I mean, movies. Being, being <laughs> the whole storyline is the like I was in retirement and I came out of yeah. retirement thing. And yeah. that just seems like an uh, a sixties sort of a thing rather than like a forties sort of a thing. That's uh I was just realizing now that if he was that would be the movie taken if if he was in his sixties. It would be yeah. like, Oh, this is just Liam Neeson again, I guess. <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> All right. Andrew. I'm ready. When Vigo calls Aurelio to find out why he punched Yosef, what's Vigo standing next to? Is it A, a rooftop pool, B, a rooftop garden, or C, a rooftop helicopter landing pad? <laughs> uh, God, did I not watch this movie? Uh... <laughs> I was going to say a staircase, so <laughs> right. I didn't. Staircase uh, is even one of the options. I'm going to say a rooftop pool. That is correct. Yes. Oh. I, yeah, I don't think he had the helicopter. I mean, that would, I mean, it, it, don't, it wouldn't put it past him, but come on. But also that would take away the whole last scene if he had his own. That's helicopter. true. Well done. All right. Back to the top of the round with Eric. Ian McShane plays Winston, but replaced what actor for the role before shooting began? Oh. Is it A. Rufus Sewell, B. Alan Rickman, or C. Jason Isaacs? 
Oh. I'm man. gonna say A, Rufus Sewell. That is incorrect. No. Damn it. I feel like they look a little alike, you know? They do they do look a little alike. They look like they could be like nephews or something. Yeah. yeah. Um I'm gonna steal and I'm gonna Whitney. say Jason Isaac. That is correct. Nice. That's uh that's Jason Isaac cool. is on a real villain's kick. <laughs> he might be I can you refresh my memory? Who is that person? Maybe I just don't know his name. Uh, like Draco Malfoy's father, Lucius Malfoy in the Harry Potter movies. He's also oh, hooked okay. in the like twenty twelve hook. <laughs> Uh, uh, All very recent fan. references. Um, what's the one with Heath Ledger where they're like red coats and there's a cannonball? Right, I know what you're talking about. He's in that uh, one too. Confederate? Con- or, no, no, that's not right. That's the television wrong. show. The Patriot? Yeah. Patriot. Patriot. The Patriot. The Patriot. Mel Gibson Jason too? Isaacs is in that. I don't know, maybe. All right, that's I, fine. I have a big blind spot in my <laughs> brain for anywhere that he is. Oh, yeah, he's the bad guy in The Patriot. Yeah. Yeah, no, I remember that. No, he's a great actor. Great actor. He just tends towards villains. Cool. All right. Whitney. Mm -hmm. The van for the cleaners has a logo of two green arrows, yin and yang style. This is the recycling symbol used widely in what country? Is it Canada, Germany, or Ireland? Germany. That is correct. Whoa! You've been to Germany? <laughs> uh, I have been to Germany. Unbelievable. That's not it's why I knew that, but. <laughs> Stacking the deck. I understand. Mm-hmm. All right. Andrew. All right. The fight sequence in the red circle is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a statement. That's not a question. (laughs) Uh, True. What is true? It's particularly impressive considering our boy Keanu learned the choreography for that fight the day of. Wow. Why did he do that? A. It was the first thing shot for the movie. B. It was extensively rewritten the night beforehand. Or C. He was sick. Uh, I'm gonna say he seems like a, a consummate professional. Maybe he would not do it if you know if he was sick. He would work through. I'm gonna say that was extensively rewritten. That is incorrect. Oh, Damn it, Whitney. He had a fever of 104. That is correct. <laughs> Wait a minute. Damn it. I remember him saying that in an interview and being really disappointed in him because it's not something to be proud of to work with 104 fever make them give you the day off interesting okay that's why i remember is because i got on my high horse about like powering through stomach flu or 104 fever or being sick is not something to brag about in interviews it is something that is endemic in the movie system where no one can get a day off ever anyway that's why i remember (laughs) Because I got really upset about it. I dig it. I dig it. All right. Back up to the top of the round for the last set of questions in regulation. Okay. Eric. 
when Vigo confronts John, he tells him he has always had a certain something about him. What is that something? Is it A, flair, B, panache, or C, audacity? Ooh, I'm gonna say C, audacity? That is correct. Oh, I got one right. Nailed it, nailed it. <laughs> that guy was so good when he said that. <laughs> Whitney. Yes. How many strikes of lightning do we see during the final fight between Vigo and John? Oh my god. Oh, Jesus. All right. Is it one, four, or seven? Four. That is incorrect. Steel. Andrew. It's gotta be seven. That is incorrect. No! Eric, it's on you now. Oh no, I don't remember what the other <laughs> Eric, you were particularly warned to remember the I answer. <laughs> oh, he's oh. fallen into the trap we warned him about. That's okay. You gotta just take a guess off the top of your oh, head then. Uh A. <laughs> Which is Oh, uh A. Four? That is incorrect. <laughs> there no, was only it. one strike of lightning seen uh, during the final fight. Wow, that's that's the that's the magic of movies, isn't it? <laughs> Felt like more. Andrew. What's the number of the warehouse John crashes the SUV in front of at both the beginning and the end of the movie? Uh. Is it A, 126, B, 313, or C, 420? Oh my god. Hilarious. It's not 420, but it would be so funny if it was 420. I mean, it might would... be 420. I don't know. You could gun to my head and I would not know the answer to this question, but... That's true. It would I'm be. <laughs> I'm gonna go 126. That is incorrect. God damn it. Mm, I'm gonna steal and say 420 because that's funny to me. That is incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, do you remember oh. what the other answer was? Yeah, it's numbers. I know. That. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god. A, uh, 37. <laughs> that is incorrect. Um, numbers, I can't. Correct answer okay. was B, 313. 313. Uh, Zoe, Zoe wanted to steal, but <laughs> she doesn't have a mic. Sorry, Zoe. That's Sorry, okay. Zoe. <laughs> You'll have your moment a little later on. Ooh, spoiler alert. All right, all right. Now we move on. To the bonus round. Oh. Okay. In the bonus round, mm. questions are not posed particularly to one person. They are posed to everyone, and the first player to buzz in gets to answer. Eric, will you please make your buzzer sound now? <laughs> beep. <laughs> <laughs> he's, wait, he stole your sound. <laughs> no, he said beep. 
Oh, beep. Oh, I thought he said me. He said okay. Beep. No, mine is me because and in the heat of battle, I can't remember anything except myself. So mm. me <laughs> is, what... the, is my buzzin. You only have you to rely on. Um, exactly. Mine is bzz. All right. Hands on buzzers. Is everybody ready? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> the beagle puppy that plays John's dog in this movie is played by a dog actor named what? Oh. A, oh, man. Andy, B, John, or C, Eric. <laughs> wow. Wait, say A again? Andy. Andrew. I'm so egocentric. I want this dog to be named Andy. Is that your guess or just yes. a statement? <laughs> <laughs> it is It is both, but it is my guess, Andy. That is correct. Yes. That is so cool. <laughs> oh, All right. Thank you, dog. He is the best. Good pupper. Bonus question number two. In the video game Payday 2, you can play as John Wick, though he is voiced by Dave Fouquet. What other character from this movie is in Payday 2, voiced by the same person who plays them in the movie? Oh, interesting. Is it A, Miss Perkins, B, Karen, or C, Yosef? Me. Whitney. Yosef? That is incorrect. Oh. Uh, God. Uh, <laughs> Andrew. Perkins. Miss Perkins. That is incorrect. God damn Yay! it. Beep. Mistake, Karen. Eric, that is correct. <laughs> it wasn't numbers. He did it. It wasn't numbers. Let me remember. Congratulations. <laughs> All right. All right. For the final question of Pop Quiz Asshole, potentially there is a chance for a tiebreaker. How many people in this movie die who are not killed by John Wick? Me. Whoa. Whitney. One. That is incorrect. Ah. Uh. <laughs> she went. She went too soon. <laughs> she went bold, not listening to the choices. <laughs> <laughs> is it A five, B six, or C seven? Oh snap! Beep. I'll say seven. That is correct! What? Whoa. Yo! Did you know that or was that a guess? It was a guess. <laughs> oh man, well, what a guess! I had to redeem myself with the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. I had no idea it was that many. I thought it was like a big thing that not a lot of people died in this from other people's hands. But There are several <laughs> people, seven in fact, <laughs> that we see die. <laughs> Not by John Wick's hand. Mm -hmm. What a great round of Pop Quiz Asshole. Mm -hmm. With a score of three to three to four, your winner is Whitney. Excellent. Yay! 
Enjoy your fanfare, Whitney. Again. Damn I'm it. doing laps right now. <laughs> if you can't hear me huffing and puffing, that's because I'm really in shape. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Congratulations, Whitney. Yeah, that was great, Charles. That was really top-notch trivia right there. That Thank was you. top-notch trivia. That was an excellent game. Thank you. Speaking of excellent games, Pop Quiz Audience is also an excellent game. <laughs> Zoe <laughs> said in the chat, kiss time, and I didn't think of the song. I was like, who's supposed to kiss now? <laughs> I was like very confused about which one of us was kissing which one of us, but I realized then it was the music from Mm-hmm. Hey, she had I, to cap eats caps with the yeah yeah yeah. It's a whole thing. Yeah, yeah, no, I got it now. I got it now. But my brain <laughs> did not catch up right away. Last episode, the pop quiz audience question was: When Mika is upset at her father's impending death and runs to him, what does he say to her? And the correct answer was: Don't let them see you cry. Correctly guessed. By Zoe. Excellent! Yes, yeah, Zoe. Zoe! Congratulations, Zoe. Take your victory lap now. <laughs> Zoe is the trivia winner. Yeah, that's the second time. That's, I believe, right? Second. Uh, that second is correct. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, and, then, gonna... and then Jody was also a winner, correct? Jody also yeah. won. We gotta keep track of their scores. I, I think I'll. I, I can help. I told you I can help out. last week. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'll, I won't let it get away from me. Okay. <laughs> Good. Otherwise, I'll yell at you on the behalf of Jody and Zoe. This episode, we have three pop quiz audience questions. Oh, three. Woo. Question number one How many people does John Wick kill in this movie? Oh, nice. Question number two. John Wick has a tattoo on his back. Fortis, Fortuna, Adyavat. What does this mean? I know that one. And question number three. The story Vigo tells about John killing three men with a pencil is actually a reference to a scene in what? 1979 thriller novel. Whoa. That's a Charles. deep cut. Charles with a deep cut. Additionally, this novel can be found in the movie, John Wick. Whoa, that's wild. Keen eyes are needed. All right. So remember to tweet at me at the Nolan, T-H-E-N-O-W-L-I-N, or tweet with the hashtag popquizaudience, and you will be called out on the next episode with your correct answers. There you go. It's that easy. That easy. Thanks, Charles. No, no. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I hope I was subdued enough for everybody. You were. You really balanced us out. You leveled us The right amount of energy. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm going to go back in my void now and watch more John Wick. (laughs) That's perfect. Sounds like a great night. Thank you for having me. Goodbye. Talk soon. <laughs> so that was, uh, how was that, Eric? How was that for you? It was not too painful, I hope, right? Oh, it was super fun. 
good, good. I mean, I think it's interesting that Charles always chooses to put the guest on the spot first. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because literally every episode, it has been the guest host that has gone first. So that's then that again, we don't run the game anymore. That's all Charles. Uh, it's true. It really, it's true. it really sets a precedent. I feel. <laughs> right. Get, it's that you got to get keep them on their no toes a little bit. No quarter given here is the precedent. <laughs> All right. Are we ready to do a, a deep dive into this and uh, talk talk about the point the pl- the plot points? I guess point by point here. Mm-hmm. I'll keep it pretty pretty lean. At least I hope I can. I, I uh, I'm going based off of the Wikipedia summary, and I've added some color commentary because. How can you Uh-oh. not? How can you not with this film? How can you not with this one? If you didn't add color commentary, I would be mad, and <laughs> I would take over all John Wick duties here too far. All right, uh, let's see. So we uh, we open with a very tiny car crash, right? Just a very it's a yeah. it's a slow car crash. Blooded Keanu oh. rolls out. He collapses on a nearby wall, removes his phone, watches a video from a much happier time in his life. Yeah. Him- had had he not already been battered and shot and whatever multiple times, the car crash would not have injured him. <laughs> right. It was a totally fine, you know, you could definitely walk away from this one. Yeah. It was a slow roll into a solid object. The uh he he pulls out his phone, and he watches a video of him and his wife on the beach kissing. And here's a side note that I didn't think about until this rewatch. I did not take John Wick to be the kind of guy who makes selfie videos, but he is full of surprises. But he is, and his wife is like, get out of here, you. Yeah, what a goddamn sweetheart. Oh my gosh. So through uh, a pretty effective set of montage flashbacks, we see John Wick lose his wife, uh, Helen, to terminal illness. At her funeral, there is an appearance by Marcus, played by Willem Dafoe. He offers his condolences, and uh, as we have said before, through very little, like, other than just looks and kind of interactions, it's clear that the, the two of them go way back. After the wake, a courier delivers a beagle puppy named Daisy from Helen to help John cope with his grief. And she's like, you need something to care about. That is not the car. All of it, all of it was me and a car doesn't count. Right. So here's a dog. Whether yeah. You like it or not. <laughs> And this was like some of, I, I, I agree, I don't know if it was Zoe who wrote that in, or who, um, Christina, this was like some of his best acting. Like this, when he was reading that letter, I thought that was really, really nice. Not just in this movie, but like overall, really, really well done. <laughs> so despite his uh, thus far pretty standoffish demeanor, him, him and his puppy bond, and they spend the day driving around in one of the coolest cars ever. I had to look it up. It's a 1969 Ford Mustang Mach 1, right? At at a gas station, he encounters a trio of Russian gangsters, uh, the leader of which is a guy named Yosef. He insists on buying his car. Also known as Theon Greyjoy. (laughs) Theon Greyjoy. (laughs) And uh, John repeatedly says, no, it's not for sale. Yosef is an entitled asshole who's clearly never worked a day in his life. He's very angry at this. And uh, him and the mobsters follow John to his home, knock him unconscious, steal his car, and kill Daisy. Thus begins For the... For no reason. <laughs> right. I because... think that's, that's a core point to enforce when you're telling this story to people that have not seen it. They could have stole the car, 
John Wick was knocked out. They could have just stole the car and left. They chose to kill the dog out of spite. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that sets off what I like to call the story of Yosef Tarasov and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's funny. Yosef takes the Mustang to a chop shop to get some clean papers. He's like, I want to keep this car. It's awesome. This is where we meet Aurelio, played by John Leguizamo. He immediately recognizes the car. He's like, what happened? You stole it? He punches Yosef in the face and kicks him out of the shop. It was awesome. It was really, really great. John, Again, he's only in it for like 45 seconds, but John Leguizamo is incredible in this movie. Yes, it, it, it's, it's great. It, it, and it pays off a little bit in later movies in a, in a really great way, too. So John knows John is part of, again, we're getting these hints like John knows Aurelio is the chop shop. He goes right there. Uh, Aurelio's like, oh, that was Yosef, the son of Vigo Tarasov, and he's the head of the Russian crime syndicate in New York. Uh, Aurelio is informed of what happened, and he, like, he beats the, he basically beats the shit out of his son right in front of him. Aurelio told him, like, look, he stole John Wick's car and killed his dog. (laughs) And then we get the explanation that John is a very famous assassin who used to work for Vigo. He's like the boogeyman. He is the bo- he he kills the he's the guy you send to kill the boogeyman, <laughs> the Baba Yaga, mm-hmm. uh, and then we get this kind of cool just story like when John wanted to retire to get married, Vigo gave him what he described as an impossible task, and John succeeded, which is you know okay, great guy's a badass. <laughs> we see John uh, going through another grieving ritual. He is cleaning his and Daisy's blood off of the floor. In his home, he buries Daisy, and then he begins smashing the hell out of his basement floor to reveal the deadliest treasure chest ever filmed, I think, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vigo calls. He's like, look, John, can I, is there any way I could talk you out of this? And John hangs up, which is awesome. Vigo sends 12 men to John's house to try to kill him. That does not work. <laughs> John kills them all. He has the bodies professionally removed. This is where we start to get some hints of what this world is like. Yeah, the assassin underworld. Yeah, we have these gold coins. He needs a dinner reservation for 12. Yes. And the waste disposal people come. Yeah, and it's just a cool shorthand. It's 12 guys, so he has 12 coins, one for each. The currency, as, as, as explained many times by other people, is very bizarre in this movie. It's like a coin to stay at the Continental, a coin to get rid of a body. So I think I might have mentioned this at the time, but I'm also going to mention it again. My birthday present in October for my sister was three assassin coins and a blood marker. That's amazing. Nice. So I have three coins, uh, three assassin coins. All right. I'm very hype about that. We got to get you up to New York to the Continental, which I think (laughs) is a restaurant. But I could be wrong about that. Uh, the when you look at it from one angle, it's one building, and when you look at it from a different angle, it's a different building. So it's even <laughs> even from the front, it's two buildings, and then I think the inside is a whole different facade. So. God, <laughs> movie magic! All yep. right. So Vigo's getting a little desperate. He puts a two million dollar bounty on John's head, offers the contract to Marcus, who we saw in the beginning, Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Marcus accepts it, but you can sense a little hesitation, maybe. John seeks refuge at the Continental, which we just mentioned, and this caters exclusively to criminal underworld type 
folks. There are rules that get established. You can't conduct business on the continental grounds, which means no killing there. Vigo doubles the, knowing this, Vigo doubles the bounty for anyone willing to break the rules to kill John at the Continental. Winston, who we meet in the basement where there's a, a really rad jazz club. <laughs> he Super tells, rad club. I would go there every day. Well, yeah. if, it didn't, if it didn't cost a full ass coin to get in. <laughs> right. And require. The same amount of money it takes to get rid of a body is the same amount of money uh -huh. it takes to get into this club. And this it better be a dope club yeah and a drink at the club is also a coin it doesn't make any goddamn sense i digress we meet winston he runs the continental or the owner whatever he, he's referred to as the owner uh he tells john that vigo has yosef uh at the red circle essentially it's this nightclub that they own john enters the red circle and makes his way to yosef um but there's this amazing sequence that we talked about where they make their way from these bathhouses where the lighting is very intense and moody up through a club where the lighting is very intense and frenetic up to the second floor where it's again very moody. Mm -hmm. Long story short, Vigo's henchman gets the upper hand on John. They get away. John goes back to the Continental, patches up. This is where we meet Perkins for the second time. She's an assassin, former acquaintance, sneaks into John's room to try to kill him. Marcus, the goddamn guardian angel that he is, perched on an adjacent <laughs> building with a sniper rifle, he can't do it. He can't kill his good buddy. So he fires a warning shot into the pillow John's sleeping on, allows him to get up. Cool fight with Perkins ensues. He gets the upper hand. He wins. John, knowing that Perkins was hired by Vigo, is like, where's the hideout? Where is the, the cash? Where am I going? She tells him. He leaves with Harry, another assassin. She kills Harry, gets away. That's very sad. Harry seemed like a good dude. Harry also got a, one whole coin for just watching her. Again, no sense. <laughs> John travels to Little Russia to a church, which is Vigo's front. He destroys basically everything that Vigo has. It's like cat. It's like money, guns, blackmail. Gold coins. Go yeah, gold coins. Stuff. Everything. It's worth more than you can imagine. Is, and I think that's actually what Vigo says. Vigo's team arrives, John ambushes them, but he gets, you know, he gets, the only way to take this dude out is basically to hit him with a car. He is unstoppable otherwise, but they do that. They tie him up. Vigo taunts John. He's like, you could have left all this behind, right? You did not have to come back. He leaves him with these henchmen. He's all tied up. They put a bag over his head. Marcus, guardian angel again with the sniper rifle, takes these dudes out, takes one of the dudes out. John kills the other one. It's great. He catches up with Vigo, who did not make great time. I would have been out of there. Like it, it was like, you're going to kill John Wick? I'm, I'm booking it. I don't want anything to go wrong. He reveals Yosef's location to John in exchange for his own life. He's like, look, I want to live. My son, he's an idiot and a screw up. Here's where he is. John goes to the safe house, kills Yosef. It's very, it's pretty satisfying. It's a slow motion shot. Boom. Done. Perkins learns that John and Marcus have been uh, in cahoots, tells Vigo. Vigo goes to Marcus's place, beats him, tortures him, kills him in his own home. It's very sad. It was very sad. But he goes out on his own terms, which is nice. Vigo calls John to report this. That's a rookie mistake right there. He probably could have gotten away if he didn't do that. But uh, he had Perkins waiting in the wings to ambush and kill John. But she gets a call from Winston, who's like, hey, we got to have a little meetup here. We, you know, 
It's uh, let's go meet at this cool spot that we have. I don't know what park that is, but it has appeared in all three films in New York. It's like a cool square. Uh, basically, she gets executed for killing Harry on Continental Grounds. It is a very uh, is a very cool scene, like a neat ritual. It happens a few times. Finally, Winston calls John to inform him that Vigo is planning to escape by helicopter. John races to that helipad, which is kind of on the water. He takes out Vigo's remaining henchmen. There was a great shot where he hits a guy with a car and shoots him as the guy is going over the roof. I'm like, that felt very unnecessary, but very cool. It comes down to Vigo in a hand-to-hand battle at the dock. Vigo eventually pulls out a knife because he's a bad guy. John allows himself to be stabbed, which I didn't understand, but okay. He surprises Vigo, gets the upper hand, deals him a mortal wound, kind of knife right in the neck area. John breaks into a waterfront animal clinic to treat his wounds. That's where he goes to get all of his sweet sutures and whatnot. And he sees that a, uh, a puppy, a pit bull, is scheduled to be euthanized. He frees the dog. And they walk home along the boardwalk where we saw that he had his last date with Helen. Mm. And the movie ends. <sighs> and everyone cries and cheers. It's incredible. It's incredible. If you've somehow not seen this film, <laughs> I I don't know what, what to tell you. What are you even doing? I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> oh, so that's John Wick. I have a feeling. Uh, the one thing that we ask uh, Eric is at the end of our our walkthrough as we as we wind down the episode here, is this a is this a movie that you would recommend someone else to watch? Oh, I mean, yes, it's, it's the best Keanu movie, I think. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, Whitney? Uh, yes, I do recommend this, Andrew. <laughs> perfect, perfect. That's also going to be a recommend for me. Believe it or not, team, believe it or not, I also recommend people watch this film. Here comes uh, the most interesting part, in my opinion. We keep a running list of our favorite Keanu movies as we watch them chronologically here. Eric, your list is much shorter than, than ours, but I think you said up top, it's safe to assume that this one is at the top of the list or close oh, to. Yes. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Whitney, where might you be putting John Wick on your list? Uh, this is movie number one on my list, Andrew. Incredible. Truly, truly something else. It's my number one movie as well. <laughs> Unseating the Matrix, just like for you. Mm-hmm. Eric, an interesting thing that we experienced this, just in this season of episodes, and I'm talking within the past four episodes, is we have now seen our favorite Keanu Reeves movie and our least favorite Keanu Reeves movie that, oh. that were created within the span of about five years, maybe? Six? Less than. Yeah. It is... Uh, it's all peaks and valleys with this guy. <laughs> I think we said that in the first episode, and it's, mm-hmm. it's true. It's really, really it true. It only gets more true as we go through this. <laughs> it's weird, because I thought it was like, I thought it was like kind of true and a thing that everyone said, but the more we watch this, the more I'm like, yo, this shit is really true. Right. It's an interesting, it's like, what's he doing? We don't know, really. Hmm. Okay. Peaks and valleys. Peaks and valleys. All right. Well, that brings us to next week. Whitney will be stepping us through a film called Knock Knock. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
have we seen this? Are we looking no. forward to it? Yes. You are looking forward to it. I am looking forward to it because we're solidly in the Keanu song. So <laughs> I don't know what the next two movies are. I know Keanu, although I have not seen Keanu. Um, I think after Keanu, it, we're full-fledged keanu sans. I think we've got a couple of years until it's like fully we're in the point that we're in now, which is hardcore keanu sans. But I think that I think we're, we are unlikely to see something as bad as Generation Um again. And that could be wishful thinking because we've had peaks and valleys the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's but tough I'm to guessing, track. I'm guessing that it's going to be worth seeing. That's my hope. All right. Eric, have you ever seen this movie? Have you, even, have you heard of this movie? No, I have not. Yeah. Uh, if I recall, cor- I have not seen this movie, but if I recall correctly, uh, this is an Eli Roth film. And oh. he is. Oh, he I feel is, different about it now. <laughs> yeah. He is a, uh, you know, at best, he is a polarizing filmmaker. Uh, <laughs> you know, ge- generously, he is a polarizing filmmaker. Um, but again, Keanu has worked with like everybody really i mean it doesn't seem like he discriminates on the basis of who is directing him he'll give anybody a fair swing in terms of his capabilities so uh i guess we'll see i uh, i don't know anything else really about it other than that and i that could be wrong i don't think i am though so jody does not and she's in the chat she does not seem to care for knock knock in fact she wrote nope nope Oh no, Jody! I trust you. So we'll see. I don't know. I do not know. You know, peaks and valleys. You get what you get. <laughs> you get what you get. One one of the greatest film cinema has ever bestowed upon us, and then something that uh, Jody hates. So, <laughs> and then yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, that brings us to the end of the show. Eric, I, I want to thank you for joining us on this. It was great having you. you. It was super fun. Uh, do you want to just tell people all of the places? You're, you're everywhere on the internet. What, what are the best places <laughs> to keep up with you and, and what you have going on? Uh, well, you can find my website. It's uh, ericsmithrocks.com where you can learn about uh, my books. And uh, I, I do a, a podcast for Book Riot where I talk about YA novels. Uh, and you can also find me on Twitter uh, at Eric Smith Rocks, where it's it's a lot of the same. Lots of book stuff, lots of writing advice. Um, and my latest book, Don't Read the Comments, is in bookstores, uh, well, everywhere. It's awesome. I can verify. I haven't been in a bookstore in a bit, but when I, when we were when we were allowed to go to yeah, when we were allowed to go in bookstores, it's definitely there. It's super cool. I'm like, <laughs> uh, use bookshop and not amazon if you're trying to get it and sent to your house because bookshop I, is is put they've like conglomerated all the independent booksellers and you can find as much stuff and you can find prices as good as amazon but you're not putting money into business's pocket you're putting money into independent booksellers who are having a hard time staying alive right now so yeah. go to bookshop instead of amazon if you want to buy a book there you go there you go thanks for coming to my second ted talk <laughs> <laughs> Whitney, if people wanted to hear more of your TED Talks, where would they go? <laughs> um, at Whitney underscore Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N on Twitter. And again, my other podcast is Historical Hotties. And we're talking about hot sculptors. I think 
this week when this comes out uh we've we'll be talking about that the next one up is we're talking about chicago's world fair and we're talking about people who were at or had made a major impact on the chicago's world fair do you know anything about that like everything that ever happened in this country happened in the chicago world's fair yeah. so we might make it a series but that's going to be a really interesting one because spoiler alert i'm bringing a, one of the last and only female stagecoach robbers to the party for that one <laughs> wow all right mm -hmm. that's intense that is intense yep so be on the lookout for that everybody yeah historical hotties at historically hot on social media but you can find it all at whitney underscore nelson n-e-l-s-e-n on twitter andrew where can they find you oh man so many places twitter and instagram at dark driving are the best I have been playing video games to pass the time when since we can't go outside. You can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash darkdriving. Final Fantasy VII was incredible. I beat it. I'm playing it again on hard mode. It is very difficult. Come watch me struggle and die and get frustrated. It's, it's fun for you. It's not, it's not fun for me. <laughs> so do that. That's it. We're done. Uh, I want to thank Eric again. I want to thank Whitney and everybody in the live chat. Thanks for hanging out because this has been super, super fun. I hope we can do it again. And yes. Also, next time we do a live viewing on Netflix, join for that because that was so much fun too. Oh yeah. So with that, thanks for joining us. And in the words of Bill S. Preston and Ted Theodore Logan, be excellent to each other and party on dudes.